Hello, welcome to the edited version of Josie and Robin's Book Shambles. If you'd like to hear the full version of this conversation, then you can go to cosmicshambles.com slash bookshambles and become one of our Patreon supporters, uh, which you can do for as little as $1 an episode. That's one US dollar, and obviously it will depend on which of our economies is declining more, uh, how much that actually works out in pounds, uh, euros, etc. Hello, welcome to another episode of Book Shambles, Trent with your usual admin off the top. A reminder that next week, May 4th, uh, we are doing a live shambles event. Robin in conversation with Dr. Dean Burnett uh, for the London launch of The Happy Brain, the follow-up book to the hugely successful The Idiot Brain. That will be at King's Place in London. You can get tickets from the King's Place website and you'll be able to get copies of the book there the day it comes out and Dean will sign it for you and all that sort of jazz. And of course we're recording four episodes of Book Shambles live at the Royal Albert Hall in the Elgar Room on June 4 and June 11. Two episodes each night on June 4 we have Professor Lucy Green and an as yet unnamed guest and on June 11 we have Adam Buxton and an as yet unnamed guest. Tickets for that at the Albert Hall website and then on June 15 we have Space Shambles in the main hall which is the huge variety night of comedy and music and science and all sorts of everything. That will be hosted by Robin and astronaut Commander Chris Hadley Field with lots of amazing special guests. Apollo astronaut Rusty Schweikart will be speaking. Festival of the Spoken Nerd will be performing. Jim Elkalili is there and lots of other people as well, which we can't tell you about yet. Tickets for that start from just nine quid and you can get them from Cosmic Shambles site or the Royal Albert Hall site. And don't forget everything we do on the Cosmic Shambles site or the podcast documentaries, everything else is all funded by the generous support of you on Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash bookshambles, you can pledge to this show or the network in general, whatever you want. And there's lots of rewards on there as well. Extended episodes of this, uh, bonus episodes, behind the scenes stuff, lots more. So patreon.com slash bookshambles. And now on to today's show with Robin and Josie talking to Ricky Gervais. Hello, welcome to Josie and Robin's Book Shambles. And uh, well, today is, I would say, it's a bit of an odd one because it's probably the guest that, apart from Eddie Izzard, who has a doctor's note, reads the least of anyone in terms of books. Of anyone and no, in terms of fiction. In t- oh, is it just fiction? Yeah, so I mean, we're joined by Ricky Gervais. Hello. Um... Because this is. I uh, you're going to start with like the guest that I've known the longest, that I've worked with the most. No, no, no I thought I'd get straight on with it because it is one of those things which is we talked about this before when I asked you to do this. And you went, it's a bit weird, and I don't well, want to seem it, like because you're not anti-book. No, and it's, like it's also it's an embarrassing truth because it, I don't want to, people to think like I'm some sort of belligerent, willfully ignorant halfwit who's proud of it. I'm not proud of it. It just didn't happen. I I have read books. I, um, in fact, I could. Um, read when I was about three so maybe I just grew out of it um no and uh I, I read I, I never really enjoyed reading fiction because I'd read a sentence and I'd write my own and then I started thinking well maybe I um I shouldn't read things when I wanted to create I, I felt I've always been creative and I've always been um so you've sort of been impatient you've been like oh, I don't have time for this I want to get on with it myself oh yeah or I don't want to pick up symptoms or you know, and and I think that was that wasn't a conscious effort. It was just um, it just happened. Uh, and uh, I, I think I read I've read one novel um, 
of my own accord that I didn't have to read for uh, O level or A level. And what that was, was it? Catcher in the Rye when I was 28. Oh, you love Catcher in the Rye, though. I loved you? it, yeah. Um, but I had nothing to compare it to. Is that one of the things, though, which is a bit like when The Sopranos ended, I thought, I better never watch any television again. Well, it's so good. So you go, well, now I've read a novel and it turns out it's brilliant. Let me always consider the opinion <laughs> well, that I do. all novels are brilliant because I'm, I do I'm do based that. on the one that I've read. The only thing the, the, the only thing that's not true with is, like, um, you know, academic subjects and things like that. But, yeah, when I... When I um, I didn't watch Futurama because I had The Simpsons. I thought there's no point. There can't be. And I, yeah, I didn't watch anything else after The Sopranos. I watched The Sopranos again. You know, so I, I, I suppose I am that addictive quality of something that is so good. That's why people become a creature of habit. They think, well, why change the? I could quite easily eat the same meal every night. Do you know what I mean? If I like it. Um, but uh, it. So do you find you have a thing that you're sort of obsessed with for a little while? I have. I've and got then these, you move on to something else. Well, I've got the aspen, uh, attention span of a toddler when it's to do with things that aren't real. You right. know, so um, I can get engrossed in in uh, you know dramas and, and, and you know, things on TV and box sets and all that. Um, but that that's already la- it's laid out for me. It's easy. But to sit down and have the quiet and the concentration to read a book, there's 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 a lot to compete with that, but mainly it's because I, I feel I've I've suddenly realised I've read the same sentence five times. I haven't been thinking about the book; I've been thinking about something else. Whereas I don't do that when I read about science or biology or something like that. Yeah. So um, I've always I've yeah. So I, you want to get something different from it? Yeah, I think if people read um, a million books in their life and half is fiction, half non-fiction, I've just read a million non-fiction. Um, I, 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 so I don't, I don't I don't want this myth out there that I don't read. I do read, um, and it's not books anymore either. You know, it, I go I go down a wormhole on the internet from uh, like for the last year. Uh, I've been reading about politics because I've just been fascinated. I've I've never been a political person till this year, and now I can't get enough of it. There's a guy on Twitter called Seth Abramson, right? Who's a uh, he was a um, defence lawyer and now he's a sort of academic. I think he's a professor. And when something happens and there's, there's propaganda in this post-truth era where everyone's firing rubbish to, to try and um, uh, 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 neutralise the truth, he says, this is what happened. And he just lays it out and what's happened. I've just been reading about, you know, what's going to happen with, you know, impeachment and uh, you know, all those sort of things. And so I do, I do read a lot every day. But no, I don't... I, I, the last time I sat down and read a novel was... Uh, 30 years ago. So is that a pragmatic thing? Is that that you look and you go, this book contains information. Information can be turned into things. Information can be turned into opinion. It can be turned into stand-up. It can be turned into understanding. So you kind of think, well, if it's a non-fiction book, then it actually has a purpose. Yeah, if Whereas... it's, if it's, because it's pure entertainment, because it's pure entertainment, a reading a, a, a work of fiction... Um, I, I, I don't, I, and I don't need that to make my creative juices flow. In fact, some would say it could get in the way. Um, so, in terms, so, of- so yeah, getting back to um, why. Why you love fiction and why you can't? Well, well, um, I don't love it. See, this is the thing: is I've had to work because I felt for a long time with a lot of the shows that I do and the radio shows that I work on is that I've always got to be reading some book that yeah. is telling me about quantum indeterminacy or is telling me about you know certain kind of you know behaviour of sticklebacks or whatever it might be. Exactly. And then I go, oh, 
I'm sure I'm missing something. Well, uh, that's it. My, mine is a quest for knowledge. Mine is like, oh, my God. It's it's one of the... It would be in the top ten reasons to be alive. That What gives life meaning is to understand as much as you can about the world and people sure. and everything, you know. What's number ten? What's the one that only just made Sticklebacks. There's shot. a parasite, right? Fair enough. Sticklebacks is, are number ten, yeah. There is a parasite. No, we're talking about sticklebacks. There's a parasite that gets into the stickleback and it changes its behaviour. So the stickleback is scared of a shadow of a of a heron, okay? This parasite makes the stickleback not scared of the heron, so it gets caught because the parasite, to um, complete its life cycle, has to get into a warm-blooded animal. Isn't that amazing? It's harsh for the stickleback. It's harsh, isn't it? And the stickleback's going, I'm not scared of a shadow. <laughs> the is going, no, no, you're not. Stay there. Cats as well. Cats have that. What's the the, the, the thing that means that they're no longer scared? Yes, yeah, They're not, not, not scared of novelty. And, of course, being fearful of novelty is one of the things that does make us jump at shadows and whatever. So, yeah, you're it's right. In the end, it? when we think, look at us, we're at the top of the chair, it turns out things which haven't even got a viable brain yeah. are going <laughs> tiny. Look, that's, you know, when when yeah. people go, so well, something that small, that can't, oh, no. Get that in your bloodstream. It's fascinating. Well, I mean, that, yeah. that is Bra- I brains. That. Brains are fascinating, anyway. The, the the things that you do subconsciously, the brain rules you without even bothering letting you know what it's doing. Is just it's off the chart. It's it's almost like science fiction. What the that's brain the does. bit that I find scary is when I was a guy called Nick Chater has just written a book that I just started called The Mind Is Flat, and he said basically we have no depth whatsoever. Huh. Depth is something we put apart. We go now. I feel that the reasons I've done this. Oh, I said it's all just a flat surface. And that's even before we get into determinism and the illusion of free will. I mean, it's incredible that the uh, actually what the brain can do and what can make you do. We're just we're like vessels. We're like vessels to do stuff. We are just protoplasm. We're we're splurging along, just eating and drinking, and then dying. But we've got this illusion of grandeur where, where we want to read fucking novels. See, but that's what I like. That's why like. Three Stigmata of Palmer Eldridge and all the kind of Philip K. Dick stuff. Yeah. That's part of the fun is he's, he's it's that Douglas Adams line, which is that, that bit where he said basically that he didn't read any fiction or didn't certainly in an interview that I'd read at that point, it wasn't really fiction. And he said, well, the thing is, I, he used to feel that novels, 19th century and before, we don't have the science then. So what a lot of novelists are doing are they're working out ideas that uh, is this why we think like this, is this consciousness, is it all of these things. And then we get to a point where we go, we've got the machines now, so you don't have to do, well, yeah. do a make-believe. And that's a But think of... what was up for grabs then in the, in the Victorian times where, you know, all intellectuals were in the pot and it was, you know, the... It was everyone was much more Renaissance, and they could. There was. But also, what I like about that is everyone was trying to do about six things, and probably doing about four of them to a level that you'd be like, "Wow, they were so ahead of their time." And then two of them are like phrenology, and well, of course, like well, arranging yeah. shells in a pointless way. I know, yeah. And then those yeah. are the ones that they care about. Like you know, they'll be like, "Well, of course, you know, yes, my uh, study into influenza was influential, but like." Uh, what's really most important is my study of the heads of men compared to the heads of boys, and if people would take that seriously, you know. Yeah, like, well, that, 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 well that's, that's still the case, isn't it? What you send, spend your energies on, and what do you know? And what you uh, think is like your best thing, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, totally. People are like, yeah, yeah. But what comes? What when? When I mean, again, when quantum physics comes along, it's uh, all bets are off because it's all, it's almost like quantum physics are on the side of magic and science fiction. Oh, there's and, another one you'll like. You know. I'll recommend this to you. Uh, How the Hippies Saved Physics, which is all about that period in the 1960s and 1970s, a counterculture, where you had the kind of the Wooly Masters books and various other than the Tower of Physics, which were these physicists who were, one, really into some very 
intriguing uh, theoretical physics, but it was also opening a gateway to them going, and this is perhaps why he's... You know, and the two but fed off also, each other, which is a great... But, but it was an adventure. Also, half of them taking a lot of acid for the first time. And well, that's like, in the... Gro- groovy science does start <laughs> oh, off yeah. with John C. Lilly giving a dolphin LSD, which, Hell looking back, was not fuck. a good idea. What happened to... I was like, whoa, and then I'm like, oh, no. You know, it's really... It's, I mean, that's, it's, that it's to horrific. me is a fascinating thing. And the dolphin the, wanted to swim with hippies. <laughs> well, the no, first thing it said. This is the one <laughs> where... For a holiday. <laughs> well, the dolphin end up... It, it would occasionally get pulled off by, by uh, Margaret, who was the woman who... This is the thing is, this woman, Margaret Howe, who was basically... She spent all the time with the dolphin. John C. Lilly believed that dolphins would be able to eventually speak a kind of European language. Right. That's a fun thing. Not thinking, this is a very English thing, even though he was American, though, isn't it? Going, no, 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 we shouldn't try and learn their language. Let's see if we can teach them exactly. how it is. It'll make things a lot easier. Just point and talk louder if you want the dolphin to understand you. Don't point in that, it kills them. And it's, uh, get your finger out. But it's just, but this, yeah, Margaret, so... The, the dolphin started to have this, it, it feels like a relationship with her to the point where it became sexual. Right. Um, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible story. When, when they were mucking around with LSD as well, that was a kind of later stage of his, his studies. But that bit where they really thought LSD is going to be the key, you know, whether it was Cary Grant, everything. Timothy Leary, John C. Lilly. And then the sound. But it's not, it's not out of the question that, you know, that um, no. a, a lot of science is, is imagination first. And it is trying to, you know, think uh, outside the box to sound like um, some sort of. Uh, marketing manager, but it, but it is. It isn't. Well, you can't it, get inside the box. There's all these cats <laughs> in there. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a field with cats. But it's. But that is an interesting thing. Where when you said before about you like reading about science because it's truth. That's part of the fun of it, isn't it? In this book, in Groovy Science, in How the Hippies Save Physics, in lots of these books, part of science is it then gets to the point of going. Um, oh. That bit, that's what I love about old science books, old look and learn annuals, where you go, oh, we didn't have an answer for this in 1973. Of course. Or in 1976, yeah. we had the wrong answer. That's part of the adventure as well. Which is what really annoys me when people say, well, science has been wrong. Well, no, science hasn't been wrong. It's a discipline. Yeah. Scientists have been wrong. They, you know, and uh, it's just a level of moving towards um, perfection. It's that thing that feels like the missing link. Well, that's, that's, not, that's not a scientific term. There's no missing link. And when you find one, you'll create two other missing links either side of it. It's just this, this thing that people aren't satisfied with, with getting just closer to the truth. Do you, do you see yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? And, oh, uh, and being close to your subconscious is quite important, I think, because there's a story that Kekulé, who discovered the benzene ring, where he discovered he couldn't work out how why this acted differently. It was because there was a delocalisation of the electrons. And apparently, I don't know if it's true, he dreamt one night of a snake biting its own tail. And he woke up because that was his brain working stuff out without telling him. Because sure. with all the information it had, it, it, it is this fucking massive computer that bypassed all his nonsense and uh, the, the irrationalities of, of people and, uh, you know, some would say, gave him a clue, which is incredible. Yeah, it's, it's it is incredible, yeah. Um, so uh, this is what I uh, want to say, because Robin knows you really well, so he's, like, jumped in and you guys are, like... I've, I feel like what we've done is we've bypassed what we normally do at the start of the programme, which I think is good for listeners. So what I would want to Let's ask you... Let's start again. Well, what I want to ask is, like... It, it, like you read loads of non-fiction. I'd love to know kind of what kind of subjects you most enjoy reading and whether that's been something you've come to, you know, as an adult, whether you started out young, like studying yeah, certain things. I, I think like, so. I think now it's like... Uh, I feel, What do you I, love studying? What I, do you love I, reading? I, I, well, as I say, I think um, I was lucky enough to be born with a pretty good brain. Um, 
I was a bit of an experiment for older brothers and sisters, and they taught me to read. And, um, uh, and I, I love that idea because you have got quite a few older brothers. The idea that eventually, mum and dad, after being pestered, all the other ones went, "We want something to experiment well, with. That's, I th- Please, it will be cheaper than having a toy yeah. in some ways." And all I knew, right. and I knew early on that there was there was value in being clever and smart. And I, and but I think I abused it a little bit because um, I, I I was one of those kids that was proud of getting by without trying. And now I think that's a terrible attitude. Now I'm embarrassed by that. Now trying is the good bit for me. Trying is the, trying your hard. Trying like being is good. Passion. Uh, available. <laughs> I, I, I did a show shirt. that was called Trying is Good once and I was like, I can use this to promote my Trying show. is good. But you're can I just check that's right? available from uh, Soho <laughs> DVD, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> now it looks like I've been paid <laughs> to accidentally say a title of someone's book or, <laughs> a, book or a DVD. Sorry, just, it is a, a DVD, lovely turnaround to see you doing something which didn't immediately involve a plug because the number of different ways you found to use charity shows to ironically plug your good I know brilliant yeah, yeah. I know. And, um, but you're so right like it's it's funny when you're like 11 12 you just don't appreciate that like coasting yeah. is not actually and I a fair minimum and I just you know and I, I always wanted to get to university and I don't think I was because I wanted to learn particularly I you know I, I thought that as a working class kid um you know, I, I, you should do something vocational, particularly when you're getting a free grant. And then I got there and thought, oh, why am I doing science still? This is really hard. <laughs> and I changed to philosophy. And that, that's the truth. Yeah. And I did philosophy and I got away with the bare minimum and I got through. And now I think, oh, my God, I want to go back to school. I want to go back to college. And I want to... What would you uh, study? I don't know. Psychology, archaeology, anthropology. Um, you should do I, it. I, I, well, I do. I just do. You, you don't, just you do don't, it independently. It, yeah, exactly. I could, you know, I, uh, I, I get it now, and I know what I, I, I know that I can probably whiz through um, a university curriculum in anything in the same time. You know, I, I can. You know, what you don't get is the discussion and the and all that. I suppose if you're learning by yourself, but nowadays you can. You know, I discuss things. I, I ask questions on Twitter, and I do. Yeah. I, I discuss things with science scientists, and then then I go and do my research. I, it's like I think of the world is there. It's like a big library for me. The world, mm-hmm. a, a playground. There's nothing. There's nothing more fun than knowing something. Yeah. And sh- there's no honestly. Um, and creativity is. I, I don't know whether I'm an, um, more of an artist or more of a scientist. I just. I always thought I was just a scientist, but um, you're an artist. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because you know, short attention span. You haven't got the tenacity. It's common amongst many comedians who love science. Is the truth of it is, stick you in a laboratory for ten years, sending bundles of particles round, getting no result for nine and a half of those oh, years. Of course, You'd, so I, I always oh. think that's part that's of it. The isn't same it? as gigging, of course. isn't it? Like you the discipline, the discipline of it. You know, outside the discipline of thought and logic and you know scientific method. Yeah, the bothering, the doing yeah. stuff. <laughs> forget it. But I think that with creativity, I've got, I've got an idea. If I've got an idea in my head for a film or a stand-up, or um, a sitcom, the boring bit is fucking typing it all up. I just go, can't I just, can't I just think it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't I just think it onto the telly? <laughs> I know, I wanted some sort of get some wires that. out of my head, right, and the plug-in, I go, I'm doing a live sitcom tonight, I get all the actors, <laughs> and I just think the sitcom, it'd be brilliant, right, and I wouldn't have to type it, and go, oh, God, I need the new, oh, God, the, That'd be great, though, because every now and again there'd be this lovely fun scene there just around a village pond, and then suddenly there'd just be a monkey having one of its testicles removed. You go, oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't meant to be thinking that. <laughs> that was something that happened earlier yeah. today. Get rid of the monkey, 
monkey. No one's thinking about the monkey. There's more monkeys. My nan taking out her teeth and frightening me. Oh, I, don't know, I don't know where that came from. I'm so sorry. I got her. I've spilled daddy's milk. Cut. Right, we're off air. <laughs> I think as well, like, it's it's hard to, like, capture the immediacy of an idea and get it out there in good time as well, isn't it? Well, that's like, it. Because really an it. idea doesn't get better with creativity. Uh, not, not with science, obviously. But... Um, no, I we're... think with science too, in some ways, because it's to do with zeitgeist. Well, then you've got to find out whether it's real or not, because you could have the best idea in the world, and then you do it, go, oh, it's bullshit. No, so, but it know. might be, might seem like bullshit at the time. Like you know, it's the continuum. Well, yeah, yeah. We don't, well, the point is, you don't know. With a creative idea, you know how good it is because yeah. it's in your head and it's perfect and it's the best thing in the world. And then you've got to not ruin it. Yeah. And you've got to not ruin it by first writing up, then getting the right people, then directing it, then making sure the BBC don't play with it. Then it's like. And that is the best case scenario of it being commissioned quickly in some way. Of course, yeah, and it being good, actually. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah, The the best case scenario is that you have had the best idea in the world and you can still ruin it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, uh, and I think that's why my new love now, out of everything I do, is stand up because um, no one's involved. You know, even if you get fine led it, which I do, there's still 60 people involved and it still takes three years. Stand up, I can say, I'm playing there tomorrow. Yeah. Come along. And also you can say halfway through the gig, oh, I've changed my mind. Or halfway through yeah. the gig, oh, actually, this has occurred to me. Well, that's the big, yeah. that's the, another thing with the, with, the, with the method of it and uh, the, the, uh, I, I suppose the genre. Uh, when you write a sitcom, you do, you, you do your best guess, you put it out there and that's it. You can't change it. Yeah, yeah. Right? Where stand up... It's, it's like evolution by natural selection. The audience picked the best bits for you. So at the end of the... In fact, stand-up is the odd one out. It's because it's less like an art and more like a science because it either works or it doesn't. But it's, it's sort of true in this mystical way. Like when you're listening to your judgment on stage, that to me does not feel scientific. It feels like some sort of weird communion with some voice that is... When you're in the zone and mm. it, you think you can never get that back, just like an ad lib, you do it the next night and it's... There's, there's a lovely scene in um, Groundhog Day where he kisses her in the snow and he tries to get to it too fast oh. the next day and it's not, it's not right. Cause, uh, and that's like... when that, There's an alchemy about an, uh, something you do when you're off the cuff and it takes you th- another three weeks to get it back as good when it was just an ad lib. And so there is something, you're right, yeah. there's something magical about just saying that being in tune with the audience, yeah, yeah. that you can't you and can't create, you just have to... Yeah, but also that, that idea of, like, do you ever have it where you're just sort of, you're on stage and you're, like, thinking about how to time something? And it's almost like I have this thing where, like, it's almost like this little voice in my head will go, now. You know, it'll go, and now's the time of to course. finish it. And, and and, but that doesn't mean to, feel to me like science. It feels to me like this weird well, that's because That's because you're the product of all your inputs and you are, you're good at it. That's, what, that's why a good someone who's really good at something does it. And it's already in the zone because yeah, they're yeah. good. That famous Arnold Palmer thing when he did a chip shot and it went straight in yeah. and someone said lucky. He went, yeah, and the more I practice, the luckier I get. <laughs> so um, I think that yeah, because we do it every style. day, uh, we forget that I think about comedy every day. I think about every, yeah. you know, sometimes intuitively, sometimes consciously. So when when you go out on stage and you try something and it's okay, I mean, that's amazing mm. that it's okay. It's because we think about it. It's good you put, you put the nuts in the storehouse to film the storehouse. Yeah. It's, like, it's like artists. When you see a, a real artist and they, they muck around with a sketch, you go, that's incredible. They're just mucking around because they can't, they can't go wrong because it's like muscle memory. They've got this... 
Do you know that? The... That's a really good, by the way, I just recommend both the book and the film that's been made of it, uh, all about uh, Giacometti, uh, made by Stanley Tukey with... Uh... You say Tukey, not Tucci. Do you know why? Because my wife is from an Italian background and told me off saying Tucci. <gasps> the double C and, and the says, single C. Make yeah. sure you say bruschetta. Yes, bruschetta. Yeah. Yes. I got told off for that oh, one. Oh, I'm scolded almost every day. Together. We don't go to Italian restaurants just to say... So does she say Carluccio's? Um, do you know what? We've never been. So I don't know yet. <laughs> what a lovely little sketch, that one. Do you know what? We've never been. Driver? <laughs> that was like something from Jane Austen, that conversation. <laughs> Pulp fiction, but 200 years ago. But yeah, the, the, I didn't go to McDonald's. <laughs> I'm sorry to bring the tone down because I was really interested in no, the No, I didn't film. bring it down at all. I don't consider Carlo... I, I mean, Carlo- she's been there. Carlo 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 <laughs> um, the uh, where are we going? Pizza up? Uh, it's bizarre. Oh, for heaven's sake! What do you mean it's a soft tea? <laughs> you know, these things can happen. Um, but no, it's a, it's a really in terms of that thing where where this this is about Giacometti is basically pretty much the last sitting that he ever did with this journalist who every day thought that uh, it, oh well, it won't take me long. I'll just do yeah. You, you'll need to come back tomorrow. You need to come back tomorrow. But each version, if you if anyone went to the Tate Modern and saw the exhibition there of, of, of Giacometti, you just go whoa. Every, all of the duds, all of the stuff that was thrown away, all of the you or I would just go, that's all right, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> There's a good thing in Dan Davis, who will be on this at some point, who's a, an, an excellent scientist and uh, uh, in, in, in particular in immunology. He's written this book called The Beautiful Cure. It's just come out. Uh, it's been very well reviewed and it's all about understanding our immune system and what we've understood in the last few years these kind of and right at the beginning he talks about the nature of genius and he says a chess thing he said there was that basically this people given a selection of of, of very well seasoned chess players were given a uh, a board where there was checkmate uh, in five moves or three moves right he said almost every single one of them got it in five moves they they could see the five move only the grand masters well, saw the three moves. Well, why? So, so these it was. But it's, a, it's, it's about it's about how your brain works. Because there's another experiment with chess. What they did was they they took photographs of um, uh, games of chess from real games of chess. Took photographs of the board, okay, yeah. and then they did random moves on the chess board, right, and took photographs of those. And they showed those to ordinary people, and they say, "Can you remember where the pieces are?" And they showed them to grandmasters, and the ordinary people um, uh, could remember. Uh, real games and fake games about the same. The Grand Masters couldn't remember the fake games, but they got the real games they exactly. Because it's real. a language to them. Yeah. It's like you, people who read music, they're not translating. They're, it's a language to yeah. them. We, you know, So um, it, it's just how your brain works to be good at chess. So you can still get good at it, except, you know, it's you know, nature and nurture and all that. But um, I it, also think it's a level of, like, you have to be a certain type of patient like, I don't like the idea of having to plan 10 moves ahead. No. I like the idea of planning, like, two or three moves ahead, maybe. Ooh, but yeah. 10 moves ahead, I'm like, oh. No, also, no, no. I've still got that, that that thing in me that I go, no, probably uh, what I can use is my genius to beat <laughs> oh, this grandmaster. Because you were I've... too good, too young. <laughs> yeah, so you're I like, think, this guy knows exactly, what Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I, can't, I, just, I just use some <laughs> amazing genius. <laughs> it's like, When I first heard that thing that um, genius is uh, 99%, percent uh, 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. I just thought, I sweat a lot. Yeah. I'm probably a genius. 
I, I, I sweat an awful lot. I feel like, yeah, the perspiration bit is not the bit to focus on. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's the reason you perspire as well. I don't yeah. think it's just just the natural ability to perspire. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Not, no, genetically, we've found a link. Are you sure? <laughs> Look you... how sweaty the Nobel Prize is. Oh, God, this room stinks. That's just, you've just eaten three cheese sandwiches from around up the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. With you I've being a another genius. of my ideas. I'm what? a genius. <laughs> yeah. Why not use Emmental? What do you mean that's your idea? <laughs> I've changed my cheese choices. <laughs> so what about uh, the well, just uh, just a couple of the kind of book what did you when you were a kid when you were three years old and you were reading obviously you know you are, you are, are surrounded well in fact I presume already some of your well I thought your, I was uh, I felt that I was um, like shown around like the elephant man I remember thinking that, that people are going uh, teachers are amazed but so I, I you know and then I coasted I gave up reading about six or seven right in fact i remember we were, had to read a book right it, uh, like um for an hour a day you, it was quiet time read a book right then when you finish the book you go up and change it right and i used to sit there with a book muck around and when i thought it was about time that i could have read this book i'd go up and swap the book right i'd never read it right and once i was reading huckleberry finn or something and i must have been about 10 maybe and I went, and the headmaster was in talking to the teacher, so I thought, I'll show off, I'll go back and show him <laughs> that I changed the book, right? And I went up there, and I said, oh, I finished this. And she went, already? I went, yeah. She went, oh, God, like, you're amazing. And um, and the, the headmaster looked at it and said, oh, how's Indian Joe? I went, ooh. He went, <laughs> you haven't read this, have you? I went, nah. <laughs> Got caught. It's like, it's like the end of The Great Escape, you know? <laughs> All I had to say was, he's great. Yeah. He's brilliant, mate. Now, this oh. essay you've written on Great Expectations, it's a very interesting take on... <laughs> Indian Joe being in Great Expectations. <laughs> is he not in all the books? No, he's not, Ricky. He's not oh, no. in all the books. This yeah. is harder than I imagined. So, uh, no, I was always... Then um, I, 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 I just loved science from the age of, like, five to sort of 18, 19. And the only creative output, um, I suppose, was music at, at that time. So uh, um, I, I felt that I did the science route, you know, right up to the 20s, really. Um, Oh, um, hang on. So you studied philosophy. What's what was the science that you started studying, but you changed? Um, well, I did. Um, obviously, as I say, I, I used to read everything I could from like the age of five, six, seven. Everything from you know dinosaurs, and uh, I was fascinated with evolution. Um, uh, I was an atheist from about eight, just through science. Just thinking, I don't. It's just this. This looks. Nah, science is consistent. Uh, everyone says different stuff about that. Um, and then um, I wanted to be a scientist and a marine biologist and a vet. Um, and uh, I did O and A levels, chemistry, physics, biology. Got into university to do biology. Studied for two weeks, and then I remembered I'd gone to university to join a band, huh. not to not to become a teacher or a you know research scientist. And um, I was in a was just hanging out with some guys and I said say a letter and someone said P I went philosophy I went along to the philosophy department which was you know across the road and I went in and I said I want to change to philosophy she went I'm sorry I said I want to change to philosophy she went what do you do now I said biology she went right okay um do you want to see someone oh yeah so I saw this um professor it was an American guy and he was wearing a Stetson that's all I remember <laughs> yeah and uh, I, I think he he wasn't there for very long, or he was, and um, uh, he's. Why have I been made head of philosophy? I just came to deliver this all. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. Um, and uh, uh, I'm. Uh, I may have been drunk. Um, and uh, 
he said, well, you've missed, you've missed half a term. I went, I said, I said, it doesn't matter. I said, I'm really clever. Because yeah. I thought that would impress him. <laughs> I thought, and then, and I also used the fact that I was working class. I heard only 6% of working class people got to university. So I dropped that in. <laughs> I, I thought, if you want to quote a film, I'm the one. <laughs> do me, do me. Um, and he, he said, okay, he gave me an interview. He said, I'll give you an interview then. Right? And he sat down and he just said, what is art? And I can't even remember what I said. But I remember arguing with him, right? And he went, okay, start tomorrow. Huh. And that was it. Yeah. And did you well, read him? Oh, no, no, sorry. Sometimes as well, I think, especially with the university, well, okay, maybe that's a generalisation, but I think it is a bit about they meet you and they think, God, do I want to teach this person for I three think years? So. Do I want them I in think my so. classes? And I think, that's a, I think that's a good thing as well, that it shouldn't just, because cause education isn't just telling you the answer. It's, it's um, creating people that are you know ask other people answers or you know uh, um so uh yeah um then i did philosophy for three years and then i remember when i got my degree the day i did my last exam i remember thinking i never have to read another book i'd felt i'd because i felt i'd felt like my education was a chore and something i had to do to a means to an end and now and the the and you know the last that was the first 18 years or the first 20 years and the last 20 years i thought all i want to do is learn all I want to do is learn now before I die. I want to know everything before I die. <laughs> so who, right, philosophy, who are the philosophers that when you were studying, you thought, oh, this, I like this, this is, uh, who were the ones that drew you in? Um, I, I uh, obviously, I, I liked all the mind-body problem stuff. Um, uh, I I like from the early days, like, you know, Descartes uh, coming up with Cogito or Kassam, but getting the rest wrong. Um but then I wanted to know the real answer. I didn't. I, I, philosophy wasn't enough for me. Uh, I'd then go along to the psychology department and I'd make there and I'd go, but what is, what's the actual answer? He says this and that is there. And we talk about Piaget and, you know, um, Piaget, there's a lovely quote from... Um, and so, so I, I wished I'd done psychology while I was doing philosophy. And, you know, um, th- th- uh, anyway, um, Piaget was asked, um, what's more important to the intellect? Um, nature or nurture and he said what's more important for the area of a field the length or the width isn't that great isn't that lovely see that's one of the great I mean it's so much fun now reading about the whole because it's not a debate anymore in terms of you know genetic determinacy in terms of you know it's like apart from with very you know specific gene sequences for specific uh, you know uh, conditions uh, overall because when you when you read sometimes about like advisors to education ministers going, well, we should probably just get a swab from people's mouths because it seems silly to put some of these people who genetically won't be that oh, clever God, into. And you go, no, no, that's that's what an incredible thing to go. There's a code in you, and this code does offer you these potentials. Yeah, but they're potentials. They are, and then, and that that is, and still now you read some things that in the you, popular press. If you clone you know, a cat, they found the gene for. But do you the, know why that is? It's because there's still people like Toby fucking Young who can get away with going to eugenics con- uh, conferences. You know, there's still people who are able to go. I'm going to put forward this theory that men are superior to women, and you know, and it's like do the reading or at least trust someone who has. Done and also, the what superior mean? Yeah, of course. Because there's there's so many things. There's differences that are. are are absolutely irrelevant, you know. It, well, and it's, also, it's, who's written the books on what superior means? For well, the of course, that's what I mean. Of course, of course, of course. It, a, uh, it, it is a subjective term. It, it's 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 ludicrous. It's 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 pointless. And that's, then, then, not even getting onto the morality of it. What and so what? 
Um, it, it's it's a nonsense, you know. It, 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 facts don't have an agenda. Only people have an agenda when the, how they use the facts or want the facts to come out. What's that great line from League Against Tedium? Where if if you only read one book this year, <laughs> it's best to keep your mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so who great. do you um, uh, who at the moment when you're? Because I like Bertrand Russell, and I read right. him for for pleasure because um, uh, he. He had everything. He stood on the shoulders of giants and then he applied it to the modern world, which I, I think is, if, if you don't do that, what's the point? Um, so um, he's, a, he, he, he's a bit of a hero of mine. And, and then, you know, later, the, um, I suppose I, I got into that even more with people like Christopher Hitchens, who knew everything about every architecture in the world and then applied it, you know, applied it aggressively and fearlessly. So... Um, I, I suppose uh, those guys, you know, you can be academic, but then what? Then um, what? Well, that's the advantage all of us have in some ways is at least being brought up in an environment where you know that you have you can have access to, to books, that this is something you can. There was a, a brilliant document. I wrote about it on, um, I don't know if I've mentioned it on this before, but I wrote about it for the, uh, my big issue radio column. And it was just about this guy. Uh, have I told you about this? Storming Steve Norman. Who uh, it's a lovely documentary. He's down. He was down in Bristol, and just one of those old guys lives in a block of flats. How, how come our laundry's now closed between eight pm and eight am? That never used to. The council haven't asked us. What if we want to wash our socks at nine? Right. He's one of those people who's just always yeah. battling. Yeah. And then the sad thing is, twenty minutes into the documentary, you find out they they just started to open the laundry again. Great. He's got his victory. He can't go to court, but which he enjoys. But he got his victory, and then then he he died. He suddenly died. He was found. To, oh. And there's the bit where one of the the uh, um, young woman is talking about she said I, I never really went to school and uh, so I, I didn't think I could really read or anything it wasn't, and, and then he got me the diary of Anne Frank to put on my phone and so I could read it on my phone and every yeah. week he'd ring up and so now and you heard her at the end of this thing and basically she's she's been now in a whatever age she is 20s 30s I don't know she went yeah you can you're allowed to read you're allowed to yeah. and you're allowed to ask questions and you're allowed to have trouble sometimes trying yeah. to learn her. and I think that is but um, we've all we've all got a really good brain you know it, 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 even if you're average your brain the potential of your brain is incredible it's off the charts with what you can do and obviously good thing about books is if you can read you can learn everything that's ever been learned you know that you can you isn't just, that the frustrating thing you can look at a shelf and you go, oh, no, I don't have time. I mean, I look at my house now. I think, stop buying books. Yeah, but that one might have an idea in it. When are you going to get a chance to read it? doesn't matter. All yeah. of these are extra well, yours is different. of possible brain. But yours is different. Yours yours is like a, a guitarist who's got 38 guitars. You can't play them all at once, but you I, you just you like... You can with the machine I've made. I, I, <laughs> I, I sometimes go past a bookshop, like abroad somewhere, and I say to Jane, oh, Robin would love that, because it's piled high yeah you know what I mean? it's got dust on the ones at the bottom the ones at the back are rotting yes right totally. but it's just like oh my god and it, it's fantasy he walks in there and they go oh oh i'm retiring i, I can't do with these books you might as well have this shopping oh bloody hell excellent yeah, yeah. Uh, we, it's like one of those you know those films where it turns out that actually the woman who's moved into the flat has been chosen to be the new guardian for the gateway to hell and she doesn't realize till right at the end and then she that's a that as i walk into that bookshop it's going We've been waiting for you. Oh, I know. We passed the dusty tome to you. Now's my time to sit. So here's a question then, right? 
Now you love, I mean, you do love the paraphernalia and the feeling and the joy and the, uh, 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 the of smell. going into it. Oh, absolutely. And I do in a way, but I buy books and I almost know as I walk out the shop, I'm never going to read this. <laughs> I really enjoyed buying it, right? Yeah. I, I might look at it. I look at the back, you know, I I could get by every exam with Brody's notes. I know I could, right? <laughs> right. Um, but... Now, as me, I, I'd, li- I'd like to uh, limitless to be real and take the pill and know everything, yeah. right? <laughs> Just know everything. Now, you wouldn't, would you? You wouldn't take the pill. I would, I would like out. it if it went um, every time I, t- I was allowed. It gave me another 10 years to read the books. Sure. And that also, if I could take a pill that would sometimes allow me to do a little, because every time I read books about quantum uh, indeterminacy and quantum physics, uh, I still go, oh, hang on a minute, I've forgotten that bit. So I would yeah. like, like the Alan Moore memory pill. You know, uh, uh, quantum physics doesn't count. Recall. We should even, it, it should be, it shouldn't be on the table. Because it, it's, it's the there anomaly. It's a table. It, it do, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. there again with this yeah. bloody imaginary table. Yeah, forget philosophy, forget quantum physics. Let's just talk about reading for, for fun and knowledge and having a better understanding of the world or enjoying it more. Um, you, you, you really, you enjoy knowing stuff, but I think you enjoy learning more than knowing. Yeah. I think that. Mm. I love the excitement of putting together a show around a new idea that I've not thought about before and then going to the bar afterwards. And you know that bit mm. where you have that as well. And, and people come up to you and go, oh, look like... I've, I've, the, the... Oh, and give you extra information. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, Stanley I want... Baldwin. I had to think about Stanley Baldwin because Stanley Baldwin gave 20% of his personal fortune to the country and then wrote to all his friends advising that they should do the same. But he was a conservative and it was during the First World War. And, and I was really like, oh, my God, I can't believe a conservative was so sacrificial with their money. I was like... Whoa! And then this guy came up to me and I did a preview in Oxford and was like, that was my grandfather and let me tell you a few truths about Stanley Bullman. And I was like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And the fact that like people engage with you and they increase your... And was it good that it turned out to be a tax scam? <laughs> I actually can't remember what he told me now, which is really pissing me off. But I, I wish... like it. It thankfully did not undermine okay, what good, I felt because, good. like, it's so often, yeah, that somebody's like, oh, you said that, but the truth is this. Yeah, well, I, I think I enjoy the learning process, but I'm impatient. Yeah. I'm impatient. So yeah. I go, I, I want to go, is this all this necessary? Tell me the answer. Just tell me the answer. Just tell me the answer. You know? See, but that's what I find with <laughs> philosophy is sometimes I've realised I don't need to read the big books because the big books were required. When Kant was writing it, he was doing all the working out. And I yeah. don't know if I need to read the working out if someone goes, this pamphlet will cover you. Thank yes, you very much. No, I'm very agree. glad no. that Emmanuel Kant wrote all this because it was needed. No, I but agree. Just so you know, it is there if if you. Yeah. No, you can't. I I I was serious when I said you know Brody's notes. You yeah. can. You, if you if you if you're smart, you you could do that with everything. Um, and I'm I'm that impatient guy who just wants to know the answer, not to show off in the pub. I just want to know the answer. Anyway, so uh, thank you very much uh, for listening. That was. Uh, Josie and Robin's book shambles. What was the point uh, of that? What? The whole oh, podcast? The that was crazy. Run. That's going to go out and people are going to listen to that. Yeah. That's three people talking nonsense over each other for yeah. an hour. Yeah, well, that's that why. The show? Yeah. yeah, same oh, as Debbie really? Serious. Oh, okay. It's <laughs> very much a format now. <laughs> um, so, anyway, that, uh, so uh, you can find out all the reading lists, etc., uh, at cosmicshambles.com and also information uh, about the three shows we're doing at the Albert Hall. One in the big room, uh, two in the little room as well on the 15th of June and around that time. So, thanks very much for listening. Go to cosmicshambles.com to find out more stuff. Uh, Patreon to fund us. Bye. 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 
We want to say thank you to Mike Topping, Sarah Pettigrew, Stephen Witkowski, Muzz MC, great name there, Tony Lakin, Jason Scott Swanson, John Breakwell and Tim Irving. Thank you so much. Thanks for supporting us. Thank you to those and all our Patreons and it's patreon.com slash bookshambles if you would like to pledge to support the show. Thanks very much for listening. We will be back next week. This podcast is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. Josie Robbins' Book Shambles was produced by Trent Burton of Trunkman Productions. Mm-hmm.